Monza weekend. The Italian Grand Prix is here at one of the most incredible tracks on the calendar for Formula One. Monza, the temple of speed. It's the Italian Grand Prix, the atmosphere of the Tifosi cheering for Ferrari, the incredible fast track. And if I were to say which race I look forward to the most on the calendar, it is the Italian Grand Prix. I simply love Monza. I'm Tony Deziri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. We're going to go over the five things to watch for this weekend. We will have our top five and bottom five from Zanvoort. We are going to go over the Monza circuit and some of the elements into the Grand Prix this weekend. But first, if you've subscribed to this podcast, consider leaving us a five-star review. It really will help us grow this podcast. If you haven't subscribed and have listened to a number of the ways that we've done these podcasts and you enjoy it, I hope you will consider subscribing. And if you're brand new and this is the first time you've heard this podcast, uh, welcome. And I hope you enjoy what you're hearing. I do these podcasts a little differently. A lot of podcasts are hour, hour plus, got a lot of guests. I keep this around 25 minutes or so, solo, get to the points and kind of lock these things in, whether it's a review or a preview of the Formula One season. So glad you could be part of what we're doing here on the Overtake F1 podcast. All right, so the World Championship is pretty much done. Max Verstappen has a lead of 109 points. No one's going to catch him, and we really shouldn't even be talking about any remote chance of anybody doing so. This is like a baseball game when you have a 12-run lead going into the bottom of the ninth inning, or you have a 21-point lead with a minute left in American football. You could lose it. Sure, but it would take such a historic collapse, it's not even really worth the time and effort rooting for it to happen. As a fan, you just sort of concede it and move on. Verstappen could miss the next four Grand Prix and still have a lead in this championship. So it really is a lot of wasted effort to start figuring out how a Charles Leclerc or George Russell could snatch this away. But the Formula One season is not done with other battles in both the Drivers' and the Constructors' Championship. And the racing in Monza can be so good that even if the World Championship is in the bag for Verstappen, enjoy a little Italian Grand Prix this weekend because there are a couple of things to watch out for. In fact, we have five, and this is the five things to watch out for for the Italian Grand Prix. We're going to start with the first one, and it's kind of obvious, but it does need to be mentioned, and that is Ferrari at home. This has been a wild season for the Scuderia. They had such a strong champion worthy start, but since Red Bull got their act together, they've dominated the season. Remember, Max Verstappen had two DNFs early this year, and it looked like Ferrari was just going to run away with this because they look so strong at the first couple of circuits of the season. But things switched. Red Bull was able to dominate the season and Ferrari struggled a lot. However, Monza is their home and no matter how the season goes, a win at the Temple of Speed would be a highlight of the season. Charles Leclerc winning there in 2019 was such an explosion of joy from the Tifosi. It still kind of gives me goosebumps when I watch it. But one thing that has plagued this team has been mistakes, whether it's driver mistakes, strategy mistakes, mechanical mistakes. They've done it all at Ferrari when it comes to setbacks. And it's seems to be something new at every race. Leclerc was speeding in the pit lane at Spa. Carlos Sainz had an unsafe release at Zanvoort, cost him five seconds. Can they have a clean, mistake-free race at Monza, be competitive in the front and in front of the home crowd? Now, Charles Leclerc isn't very confident that Ferrari's setup for Monza is going to make them competitive for the win, but this track has sort of spit out a couple of different kind of results at the last couple of races. So we'll see Friday with some testing at practice, and then we'll see qualifying and in the Grand Prix itself, because that leads us to the second thing, and that is kind of an exciting, unexpected result. 
Leclerc gave Ferrari fans the best gift of 2019. He won at Monza, stood in front of that podium in that sea of red. It was Ferrari's first win there since 2010 when Fernando Alonso did it. But Mercedes then dominated the Italian Grand Prix. 2020 saw Pierre Gasly recently demoted from Red Bull in AlphaTauri take advantage of a Lewis Hamilton mistake. He got his first Formula One win. And he did so in exciting fashion, held off Carlos Sainz in the McLaren for the victory. Last year, we saw Dan Daniel Ricciardo returned to the winner's podium as he took advantage of Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton being out of the Grand Prix, and he and Lando Norris gave McLaren a 1-2 finish. Remember, I never left. Will we have one of those kind of results on Sunday? Will George Russell get his first Formula One win? Will Lando Norris? Will somebody from Alpine win? Look, it's more than likely that lightning won't strike again in terms of seeing a surprise winner, but the last two races were really fun results. Look, I still enjoy listening to the French commentator calling Pierre Gasly's final lap to the checkered flag. It was just pure joy that came from that broadcast. We might see it again in Monza. The number three thing to watch out for, drivers race outside of Verstappen. So who's going to finish second? Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez currently tied 201 points. George Russell, 13 points behind both of those drivers. Carlos Sainz, not far behind either. He's got 26 points to be exact. Max may be running away with the championship, 109-point lead. But there's fun in the second battle. Red Bull, of course, would love a 1-2 finish to go along with their Constructors title. Ferrari may have seen their title slip away from Leclerc, but he's had a good enough season for P2. George Russell, he's been the most consistent driver of the year p5 or better in every race but one even max verstappen had two dnfs and a seventh place finish at silverstone all right he has 10 wins on the season so there's that but there are battles outside of the world championship that do deserve our attention and p2 is certainly one of them the fourth thing to watch out for is grid penalties there's going to be a lot of grid penalties for Sunday's race. Lewis Hamilton is taking a fourth power unit, exceeding the three he is allowed. Valtteri Botas is taking a grid penalty as well. He's taken an engine upgrade for the third time in six races. That'll likely be a back of the grid penalty as well. He's taken a number of elements for his engine. Haas has confirmed that Mick Schumacher will need a new gearbox. That will cause a penalty. Carlos Sainz, Kevin Magnussen, Sergio Perez also taking penalties for engine upgrades. And Yuki Sonoda will receive a 10-place grid drop for receiving a reprimand for driving with those loose safety belts at Zanvoort. That's his fifth reprimand, which triggers the penalty. Now, as of this recording, seven F1 drivers will receive penalties for Sunday's Grand Prix. The fifth thing to watch out for, and humor me on this one, can Max Verstappen win? I know, I know. He, of course he can, right? He's driving the Red Bull and he's killing everybody right now with 10 victories on the season and a dominating world championship points lead. But he's never won at Monza. He's never taken the checkered flag at the Temple of Speed. In fact, he hasn't even been on the podium. Last year, him and Lewis Hamilton were in one of the more memorable collisions, the Red Bull riding on top of Hamilton's Mercedes as they touched going into the first chicane. Red Bull has struggled over the years with pace when Mercedes was dominating this race, when Ferrari was too. Um, It's been trouble for Red Bull at Monza over the years. Verstappen even admits that this track seems to get the best of him. Listen, cry me a river, right? Max Verstappen is winning all over the world, but hear me out on this. You could see Max Verstappen on the podium for the first time at this iconic track that's going to be celebrating its 100th anniversary of its opening and the 72nd Grand Prix that it has hosted. It has hosted every single Italian Grand Prix but one. 
So Max Verstappen has never been on the podium on this iconic location. And listen, whether you're a Max fan or not a Max fan, the reality is seeing something for the first time is kind of cool. And maybe Max Verstappen gets that off of his back and gets it onto his resume. He's certainly going to win everywhere around the world. He's podium everywhere around the world. So seeing something Max hasn't done and actually accomplished, well, well, that could be a good thing. All right, so those are the five things to watch out for for the Italian Grand Prix. Now let's get to the track. It is one of my favorites. Monza is one of the most famous circuits around the world. Like I said earlier, it's held the Italian Grand Prix every year since 1949, except for 1980 when that was held at Imola. It's super fast, relatively simple in its layout. It doesn't have the kind of corners like a street circuit, and much of the ride around Monza is at top speed, long straights, fast corners. Now the cars have a special setup for Monza. They're going to go with maximum downforce and the smallest wing angles to bring out performance. So a lap around Monza starts with a long straight off the grid where the cars will be getting up to full speed at the start before they're hard braking into the first chicane. The cars will be reaching 210 miles per hour before that first turn. Now when they get out and navigate through that chicane, it is back on the throttle heading into Curva Grande, the grand curve, long right-hand curve that leads to another chicane. You're going to see some great opportunities there to overtake. Once through that, it's into two corners, the Lesmo corners, two right-handers with a short shoot in between them. The final Lesmo corner is turn seven, and then it begins a downhill under the bridge, long straight, once again, top speed for the cars. And then you get to the Ascari chicane that'll slow the cars down. Another opportunity for some overtaking before another straight at high speed that's going to lead to one of the most famous corners in the world Parabolica. They'll enter it at over 200 miles per hour. They will fly around that corner. They'll get down to sixth gear and then start accelerating out of the apex back to the long straight to complete the lap. It is quite a ride. It is super, super fast. Pirelli will be bringing the mid-range tires C2 for the hards, C3 for the medium, C4 for the softs and that race will be 53 laps. Again, one of my favorite Grand Prix on the calendar. All right, speaking of Grand Prix, let's go over the top five and bottom five from Zanvoort. So we're going to start with the bottom five, move up to the top five. Now, if you've not heard this podcast before, bottom five and top five, they can be anything. They can be a driver, mostly drivers, but it can be a team. It can be a strategist. It can be fans. It can be whatever. Whatever stood out on the weekend can make it into top five and bottom five. So just wanted to give you the caveat before we begin. The, for the bottom five, I'm going to start with five, and that's Daniel Ricardo. Now, I hope he has a good run at Monza. This is a race where he's going to be the defending champion, but right now he is out of the McLaren seat going into next season. I mean, it was so emotional last year when he crossed that line. He really felt the weight of pressure being lifted by getting that victory. But he's had a really tough season. He finished 17th at Zandvoort. He got caught in a DRS train. His inability to get points is hurting McLaren in the race for with Alpine for P4 in the Constructors' Championship. He might not care about that. The only thing he's probably caring about is putting enough results so he can get a good ride next year. But in the end... Every single strategy that Daniel Ricciardo tried or the team tried for him at Zanvoort just did not work out based on his position. I hope he gets a ride next season. I know the sport would miss him. He's one of the more popular drivers around the world. 
I think he adds a breath of fresh air to drivers that seem the same. A lot of them say the same kind of things. You know, they all have different backgrounds, but they've all kind of learned from the standard PR. I think Daniel Ricardo is just a breath of fresh air that I think is going to be missed. So I do hope he lands with somebody and it does look like he will have a ride for 2023. Fourth on the bottom five, Alfa Romeo. Valtteri Bottas had an engine problem down the front stretch that brought out the full safety car. Joe Guan Yu finished P16. Once again, didn't any, register any points for the team. I feel bad for Botas um, at Spa. He got tangled up with Nicholas Latifi, had to retire from that one. And now he DNFs once again at Zandvoort. The third bottom five, that's Haas. Mick Schumacher started eighth, but ended up outside the points. They really didn't quite have the pace. Talked about it being a weekend to forget. Kevin Magnuson had some early trouble, ran into a barrier. He had to bounce back on the track. He finished P15. I know the Schumacher Q3 Saturday was a really, really big deal. People around the world kind of celebrating his success. But when you get that kind of result, you do want to see some points, and Schumacher wasn't able to do that. Um, they just didn't really have a great setup for Zanvort um, and both finished outside the points. Number two, I give it to Carlos Sainz, but this is more of a Ferrari thing, but I can't really blame... Ferrari entirely. So I'm going to put this bottom five on Carlos Sainz's shoulders, even though it's probably not really his fault. It was a real mess again for Ferrari. The team gave him a slow pit stop. They didn't even have the tire ready. It was the back left tire. They didn't even have it ready to go on his car. Took 12 seconds, over 12 seconds. And then they finally did release him. It was an unsafe release that cost a five second penalty. Again, this is not on Carlos Sainz, but as I get to top five, Charles Leclerc is there. So I don't want to fully blame Ferrari for a bad, awful day. I'm going to put it on the driver's shoulder. I really don't like it. Carlos Sainz started third in the Grand Prix. He ends up finishing with P8. His teams did him no favor whatsoever. Number one, though, and this, I think, is the first time in two years that I've had a bottom five one that was sort of like this, and that's Yuki Sonoda. I didn't give the conspiracy theories any validity when that started coming out on social media during the Grand Prix, but let's be honest. This was really, really, really bizarre, and it was taking place in real time. You couldn't help but think something fishy was going on. Ted Kravis said it. I know Toto Wolf said he would have had it investigated. The tires weren't fitted. That's what he was saying on the radio and then the team told him it was he's loosening his belt then he drives off they bring him in they change the tires they tighten his belt and they send him back out again and then all of a sudden he stops and they go oh sorry we we made a mistake something actually was wrong with the car and because it helped max Verstappen out and because alfatari is a sister team for red bull it, it's it made people a little crazy and i'm not saying rightfully so but we do look for the boogeyman under anything that sort of pops up. There has to be another reason other than the team was just completely inept when it came to this sort of situation for Yuki Sonoda. What was it? Was it the tires? Was it the steering wheel? Why did he loosen his belt? Why did he drive with loose belts? Why did they change the tire and then that was supposed to be the problem and fix the problem and then all of a sudden there's another problem? I mean, you can understand where people are coming from. I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but this was Yuki Sonoda and it was a complete mess, so he gets number one on my bottom five. And by the way, it totally affected the race. As we'll see in, in top five, it totally affected how the Grand Prix played out.
All right, so let's get to top five. Charles Leclerc is number five. He did not make a dent in the world championship. In fact, he fell further behind because Max Verstappen finished first. But he got a podium finish at Zandvoort, and he didn't really have any problems. That problem situation belonged to Carlos Sainz this week. I hope both of them have no problems at Monza in front of the Tifosi. But Charles Leclerc got on the podium, and I'll give him the five in top five. Not four, three, two, or one, but I'll put him in the top five. Number four. I kind of debated about this and I didn't even know if I would put him in the top five, but when I did, I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I might as well give him a little bit more than just the five spot. And that's Lewis Hamilton. He had the right strategy to win this Grand Prix, but the virtual safety car and then the full safety car that put that out the window. Hamilton wants to win this season. All right. He wants to win. He doesn't want any more P2s, P3s, P4s. He wants to win. Not finishing second or third when he has a chance for victory. That's what Mercedes was trying to do for him. And when they want to give him a victory, sometimes you got to need to take some, some shots and take some gambles. Leaving him out there when Max Verstappen came in for fresh tires on that, ver- on that safety car was probably not the best idea, but it was really the only way Hamilton was going to win this race. I think where Hamilton got really upset was he felt like the team really let him down by getting George Russell to come in to pit for tires because that meant Max Verstappen was right behind him. He knew he couldn't hold off Verstappen, but if George Russell is behind him and Max Verstappen is behind two Mercedes, that might've given Hamilton enough breathing room to sort of build up a lead and see if he could hold off Max with a final, what, 10 laps of the race. But instead Max gets a great toe off that banking final turn and just passed him with ease. And that was it. But I give Lewis Hamilton in the, I put Lewis Hamilton in the top five because there was a feeling for a lot of the Grand Prix before Yuki Tsunoda went out, there was a real feeling like Hamilton and Mercedes had dialed this in correctly. Like they had made the tire strategy really, really work for them. And at one point, all the calculations were coming in. And if we were going to go green, which we didn't, but in the end, if we were going green, Hamilton was going to be able to be in front and Verstappen was going to have to pull off an overtake on Hamilton, but that didn't come to fruition, but I don't want to fault Hamilton for that. In fact, I, I, I really enjoyed his contribution to the Dutch Grand Prix in terms of its overall competitiveness. One of the reasons I said it was a good race was because of the situation with Hamilton. Number three, Fernando Alonso started 13th, finished P6. My God, he's having a good season and Alpine is certainly benefiting. They are pulling away from McLaren for P4 in the constructors. He did benefit from Carlos Sainz's penalty at the end, but he got a great start, was one of the early pit stops for hard tires and he made that work. Esteban Ocon was the same way. Alpine got double points. And again, that's that fourth place constructors battle is now turning into Alpines to lose. And right now they are really clicking. So Fernando Alonso, great race for him. Could have been driver of the day. Uh, number two was George Russell because he made the right call to go on soft tires at the, he's, he noticed it and saw it and he finished P2 because of it. It's another top five finish for Russell. I don't fault Mercedes that much for this decision with Lewis Hamilton. They were trying to win the race for him and it didn't work out, but Russell knew where he is standing in the world championship and saw an opportunity to come in, get those fresh soft tires and make a run at Max Verstappen, even at the detriment of his teammate who was trying to win the Grand Prix. So Russell saw had, had foresight to get these soft tires. The team agreed with them and Russell gets a P2 out of it. Smart move. Number one, though, Max Verstappen. I, I never want to always give top five to the winner of the Grand Prix. I mean, it gets a little old when it's Verstappen all the time. But this one is special because there was a lot of pressure there. 
last year he was fighting Lewis Hamilton for the world championship. So 67% capacity last season at Zandvoort, and they were all pulling for the story of what would be towards the end of the season. Like Hamilton and Verstappen were going to go down to the end, and this was just part of that process. This one was different. This one was Verstappen was coming in, the defending world champion, and a guy that is dominating the season. Plus, it was 100% capacity, and Verstappen is under tremendous amount of pressure to let all of those people leave with a smile on their face and a victory. Now, would it be the end of the world if he had lost? Of course not. But you do feel those when you're at your hometown Grand Prix. Every driver says so. It's more special to win with Silverstone if you're a British driver. It's more special to win in at Barcelona if you're a Spanish driver. If you're a Ferrari driver, you're not even Italian. You know how important it is to win the Italian Grand Prix or a race at Imola. That being said, Verstappen, Zanvoort just got back on the schedule after a long absence. The fans are nuts for Formula One. They're nuts for him. And he delivered, right? It wasn't the easiest race for him to win. There were things that had to go his way, strategy-wise, of course. But in the end, he was in the right place and made the right move and got the victory. So he gets the top five in that category. All right, so that's going to do it for our preview of the Italian Grand Prix. I hope you all enjoy it. I'm going to have a morning cappuccino, and I'm going to dive right into this on Sunday morning here in Nashville, Tennessee. Again, one of my favorite races of the year. One of the races I am looking forward to is the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin. I want to thank DHL. I am going to be able to go to Austin for that weekend. I was a runner-up in the DHL Fastest Lap Commentator Contest, so I was really excited. Uh, we're going to be Me and my son are going to be heading out to Austin at the end of October. So I want to give them a shout out and a thanks for that. All right. Again, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can do so at Tony D radio. If you'd like to email the show, Tony D radio show at yahoo.com. Monday through Friday, I am the morning host at SportsMap Radio, uh, their network out of Houston. And you can go to SportsMapRadio.com and you can hear uh, a general sports show, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA when it's in season, college football, all of that. You can find our show, Wake Up Call, with me and Ron Culver. Uh, you can find it at SportsMapRadio.com. But once again, thank you for your interest in what we've been doing here at the Overtake F1 podcast. All right, we'll see you next week. 